uh, if you got a Bible or you got an app, you can go ahead and open up to Mark 6, because that's really where we're going to be hanging out most of the day. Um, and what we're going to do is we're really going to read some scriptures and then bring up some points about these scriptures and how they apply to our lives. And, and I think this is one of the greatest ways of reading the Word of God and also teaching the Word of God is just reading straight through scripture and looking at each verse in context, all right, and, and then just seeing how it applies to us. And the thing about teaching like that most of the time is there's about three or four messages, three or four topics in there. And so today we're going to tackle a few topics, all right, but it's all from the word of God and it's all from the ministry of Jesus. And uh, so just to kind of recap a few of the days leading up to where we're going to start, uh, if you were reading, then you saw some some really intense things happened this week. Uh, you saw a, a man that was demon-possessed who was living in a cemetery and was cutting himself with stones. And he was so strong uh, that he would actually break chains and all kind of stuff. He had supernatural strength. Uh, he's the guy that said, I am legion. You know, uh, no, okay. So, so he, you know, he probably spoke in a funny voice. But, uh, and then what happens is Jesus casts those demons out of him and actually casts them into pigs. And those pigs run off a cliff, okay? Some of you did not read because you're going, I don't believe you. You know, <laughs> it happened. It's in there. Go and look. And uh, crazy things like that are happening. There's another woman who uh, had a sickness for 12 years, and, and she, could, she went to every doctor and, and could not get healed. And uh, she, she pushed through the crowd one day, and she just reached out, and she just touched the robe of Jesus. And whenever she touched his robe, healing power flew out of him, flowed out of him, it was transferred out of him, whatever. And she was healed. And uh, I mean, there's big deals going on. There's another guy, his name is uh, Jairus, and his daughter was dead. Um, and, and he went and he was like, please, can you send the word? Can you, can you heal my daughter? And uh, what's kind of crazy is Jesus shows up and he ends up saying, why is everybody crying? Why are you guys so upset? She's just asleep. They're like, Jesus, I think we know she's dead, okay? And uh, he raises her from the dead. And there's all these miracles that are taking place. And along the way, with all of this taking place, Jesus has his disciples, his apostles, they're with him. Now, his disciples, if you've read and you know, they're, these are young guys. These are, these are young. A lot of times we have this picture that they're all you know, 50 and above, and they're seasoned men of God, and they've been around the tree a few times. You know what I'm saying? They, no, these are very, very young men who I just believe their minds are blown by what they're seeing. Uh, I kind of picture them like roadies along for the ride, super excited, but Jesus is like the main attraction. You know what I'm saying? Like he's up there preaching, and he's saying all these great things. He's raising people from the dead, and they're like in the background, like, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm with this guy. And I mean, come on. Some of them are teenagers. These are young guys. They're just excited to be around what's going on. People are being raised from the dead. People are looking at Jesus saying he's the Messiah. And they're like, man, he chose me. Like, he came up to me. Can you imagine? I think I'd be a little bit, uh, a little bit prideful, maybe. A little bit excited. And that's what's going on. They are, they are getting raised up. But the time comes whenever it's time for Jesus to send them out. He said, you've been watching long enough. It's time for you to go get your feet wet yourself. Go do some work. And so he, he sends them out. We're going to pick up uh, Mark 6, chapter 7. 
He called his 12 disciples together and began sending them out two by two, giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. He gave them authority. He didn't just send them out, but he actually gave them authority to cast out evil spirits. And verse 12, so the disciples went out telling everyone they met to repent of their sins and turn to God. And they cast out many demons and healed many sick people, anointing them with olive oil. Jesus' whole ministry was about destroying the works of the enemy. If you could just sum it up, he was all about just destroying everything that the devil was doing and trying to do or trying to accomplish. He came in and he gave authority to those to overcome those works. And, and, uh, and we're a part of that, that promise. We're a part of that, that victory. Uh, we just sang about it. We're a part of that victory. And so, so Jesus has sent them out. And in verse 30, we see that the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all that they had done and taught. I love how it says tour. I just think that's cool because, I mean, they're just excited. And they go... They, I got signed. You know, if you've been around the band scene, it's like, I'm on tour, and it's just this big thing. They go on a ministry tour. They're out there, and not only are, there, are they out there, but they are doing the same thing that Jesus did. They are accomplishing the same thing. They are casting out demons. They are healing people. I think that there was a little bit of surprise there. I, I just have to imagine laying hands. They're like, I hope this works. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Boom, it works. Yeah! They come back. They're telling Jesus all that has happened, and uh, they're excited. They're excited. Jesus is listening. And then verse 31. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. Uh, I just really think this is a, a huge first point for us to talk about and a huge first lesson is, is this principle of rest. So they, they go and they do this huge thing. They, they, they go on tour. They accomplish all this great stuff. And they come back and they're telling Jesus. And one of Jesus' first response was, that's really good. Why don't we go find a quiet place? Why don't we go and rest? Because you guys have been working. Uh, you're pretty jacked right now. You got the adrenaline flowing. We need to go find a place to rest. And this principle of rest is, uh, I'm not talking about laziness right now, okay? But we're going to talk about rest for a little bit. Because I think sometimes we have trouble resting because we equate it with laziness, right? How many of you, and be honest, if it's Saturday afternoon and you're like taking a nap or you're just relaxing, you feel a little bit guilty like you're lazy. Come on, where are you at? Most people in the room, all right? You feel like you need to be producing something, right? Like, like okay, yeah, I did my job, and now this is my day off, but it's not my day off. It should, I should be doing something. I should be working, and there's like this, and even when there's nothing to do, what happens? Your brain is just going, and you're, you're going through things that you can't even change, all right? And you, you get worked up, and now you're at church, and guess what? After church, you got something going on. I'm sure you got plans this afternoon. All right, you're already planning. You got the whole week ahead. You're already, you're not even resting. You're not even relaxing. It's not happening. You're already in Tuesday afternoon at that meeting that's coming up that you've been preparing for for three weeks, right? You get the big deal that's coming up, whatever. Kids got that, that special whatever happening this week. A lot of them are off this week, but anyway, right? There are. A lot of kids are off this week. Well, there's something to worry about. What are we going to do all week? I mean, some of you moms are just like 
fly. <laughs> I love whenever they are at school. And uh, that stresses you out a little bit, right? There's just, there's just a lot of reasons, a lot of things going around. And we struggle with rest. I believe in America, one of the main problems with everybody is that we just don't sleep enough. We don't rest enough. Uh, we don't rest in God. I'm not even talking about resting in God yet, right? We're just talking about literally, physically, turn the lights off and go to sleep. All right? I do good with four hours of sleep. Meanwhile, your immune system is, <laughs> you get sick all the time, right? Because there's not rest. Rest does some things to your physical body. And, and the first area of rest is your physical body, resting. We got to take care of ourselves, everybody. You need to take care of yourselves. You need to learn how to rest physically. You need to learn how to sleep, all right? Don't run yourself ragged because there's a lot of work to do, right? But if you're not physically rested, mentally rested, like I'm talking your physical brain. Y'all know whenever you rest, physical things take place, right? Uh, if you're not physically rested, you're gonna be shot. You're gonna be shot. And so then, then you wonder why there's like these emotional things that are taking place. Well, sometimes it's because your physical body just needs to sit back, sit back and relax. All right, I'm not talking about laziness. Some of you are like, I take that as a word from God. And, you're already lazy and you're just going to be, you know, that's one thing about church, man. You preach, you talk, the good get gooder, all right? I know it's horrible English, but the good get gooder and the bad get badder. You know, it's just the way it goes. It's like those who are like really killing it and doing well, they're like, oh, I'm just not doing good enough. Like, no, you're doing well. And those that are doing horrible are like, you're right, I'm doing great. <laughs> Don't know what to say anymore, but uh, you got to take what I say and run it through your filter. But if you're lazy, I'm not talking to you right now. You need to get up and move. But, but some of you are driven and it's killing you. Some of you are driven and you're shot. You're spent all the time. It's because you're not resting. First off, you need to rest your body. Second off, second off the, the second part of us is, is really our soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions. Our soul has to be rested. And for me, a lot of times the way that I think feeds my emotions. And, and that's what, I can be standing here and look perfectly fine. I'm smiling, but internally there's this raging war that's going on. And my emotions and everything inside of me is just in turmoil. I don't, I'm not sick. I'm actually pretty rested, but inside I am not rested at all. I am not settled. Some of you have not been settled for years. There's no peace operating in your life. You're unsettled, and there's just, there's like dust in your life all the time, and there's no time for the dust to settle so you can actually see what's really going on. It's this thing of emotions, and, and really when it comes to this, there's only, a, there's a few things that can really help when it comes to trying to settle your emotions, and one thing is, is, is very practical, and it's turn off social media. Turn off social media. Can I just encourage you? Some of you just need to turn it off for about ever. <laughs> just forever. Just mute the noise. Some of you need to turn off Fox or CNN or whatever you choose to watch. You need to turn that off because that input is stirring things up. And the, the disappointing thing is I need to know what's going on in my country. Yes, you do. But I think you need to know what's going on uh, on a deeper level, maybe with God versus just what everybody's talking about. Because this stirs up unrest and, and anger and whatever else, fear. But whenever you know what God's doing in that, it stirs up faith and hope and purpose and mission in your life. And so sometimes you need to turn off the social media, turn off the news, turn off the noise, whatever that noise is. Maybe it's just family drama. Turn it off. 
just check out from that for a while. Take a step back and let the dust and your emotions and your soul, your mind, your, your will, all these things, let it settle. And then the third part of us that we need to rest is our spirit. Our spirit, man, it needs to be really, it needs to come alive. And, and the way that we do that is, number one, by turning off the noise, silencing the things that seek to then work its way backward and, and poison our spirit and really take our faith. But you know, whenever you pray and whenever you worship, Whenever you're engaged in those things, reading the word of God, you know that builds up your inner man. It builds up your spirit man. And a lot of times what's going on is we're struggling with living life from and our soul man, our soulish life, our desires, our mind, will, emotions. It's really the thing that's ruling us. And we're living out of that versus living out of the perspective and the faith and the hope that comes from our spirit man being alive. And so we're fighting, we're fighting spiritual battles with a lot of our own self, and it's just not a good rhythm, and it's also not a restful, restful rhythm. It's kind of hard to say, restful rhythm, all right? You got to learn the rhythms of life, and I love that Jesus right here just says, hey, guys, let's go alone. Let's go be alone. Let's go chill out, um, and, and let's just refocus, and, you know, actually, as a church, we're going to be going into a, a season of focus and a season of really stepping away from the noise, uh, and I'm really excited about it. It's actually going to be starting next Sunday, and uh, so if you come this, this first Wednesday, uh, Pastor Stephen's going to be sharing. He's going to be talking about what that is and what our, our, our focus is going to be on, uh, because sometimes, guys, we have to go to the switch of noise and the switch of distractions, and we just got to turn it off. And just and let that thing starve, all right? You could be, you, it could be called fasting. It could be called many things, but it's turning off the noise, starving ourselves of some of those things that we love so much and just relenting from those things. And so come first Wednesday and hear more about that. But the purpose of rest, all right, and now, now all my lazy people, where you at? Here we go. The purpose of rest is not just to perpetually live in rest and never do anything. The purpose of rest is work. You, you, you get rested up, you get uh, healed up in order to step out and do something. And now I wanna make a statement real quick because we're in church and a lot of times whenever we talk about stuff in church, it's all about the church, okay? And so whenever I talk about ministry and working in the kingdom of God, I want you to have two things going on at the same time in your mind. Number one, your work is ministry. Your work, if you, if you don't work at the church, your work is ministry, okay? You're, you're nine to five. You're stay at home, take care of the kids. You're, whatever it is that you do during the week, your work is ministry, okay? I don't want you to think that I'm at work and so, man, just I got to get a paycheck. I'm not in minister mode. I'm not in meet the needs of others mode. And now I'm out of that. And now I'm working at church and I'm serving. And now I'm ministering. Your whole life is one big ministry, should be, all right, your mindset. So your work is ministry, but also your ministry is work. Your ministry, whenever you meet the needs of people, that is work, man. That's right, when you come to church and you serve on a team, sometimes it's, it's a lot of work. And a lot of times we don't wanna feel that, right? We, we think that work is just a negative thing. Work is producing, work is productive. We get caught up in busyness, which a lot of times is not productive work, it's busy. We really like to, we like to feel busy because when we're busy, we feel important. We feel like we're doing something, but a lot of times it ain't producing nothing. Work is productive, but your ministry is work and your work is ministry. Mark 6.33, check this out. 
but many people recognize them. They're trying to go and, and get away. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. How exciting is that? Have you ever been on your way home from work or whatever, you're tired and then you get that phone call from that person and you know what it's about and you know that that's a one hour conversation where you're really gonna have to give advice and help or whatever, or maybe go to their house. You know what I'm talking about? And you have the decline button or the accept button and you're like, I accept, okay. Why? Because you know that it's about to be some work. It's about to be some effort that you have to put out there and at this moment, these guys are tired. They've been on a tour. Jesus is tired. They're ready to go rest some, and they are in a boat, and all of a sudden, they see a crowd gathering. Big deal. I think the point here is that work is relentless. Work's not gonna stop, okay? If you're looking for a utopian place in life where you don't have to work, or you don't have to put forth effort in your life, you're never gonna reach it. In our culture, we have this carrot in front of the donkey mentality called retirement, and everybody is, is working towards that, right? And, and like that's, that's the whole point of life. And then it gets closer, and then if you talk to people that are about to retire, they're like, eh. Some are like, thank God. But some, all right, are like, I, I mean, it's cool. About, it's more about what am I going to continue to do? Because guess what? Everybody wants to be productive, and the dollar sign isn't always the thing that meets that need. We need to be productive people. And so here they are. Work is relentless. They're, they're seeing this, uh, this, this group of people gather together. And um, verse 34, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. And you'll see this many times. And he had compassion on them. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Jesus taught his disciples something huge right here, huge. And it's that compassion, to have compassion in spite of inconvenience. I think that moment whenever you have that phone and you see the accept, ignore thing, and you choose accept, is really compassion that's flowing out of you saying, you know what, I have something that somebody needs and I'm gonna help them. Physically, I'm drained, but that doesn't matter at this moment. Jesus hit the accept button right here. He, he, he goes out and he begins to teach the crowd. I have to just imagine that here's the disciples. They just got back from tour, right? They, they, they were excited, but then they aren't so excited at this moment because they're ready to go and chill out, all right? Been nonstop compassion in spite of inconvenience. And then verse 35, late in the afternoon, all day long they've been doing this. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. It makes sense, right? They're, all the logistics are there. They say, man, we've been working a lot. We've gotten to a place where we can't feed all these people. Let's do the smart thing and let's send them away because they need to go buy some food. They need to go feed themselves. But Jesus had a different reaction. His is... You feed them. No, Jesus, you don't, you don't understand. Uh, we can't. Look how many people there are. Like, again, there was about 5,000 men. If you really play that out, there was somewhere between 15, 20, maybe even up to 25,000 people in this area. Kids, women, every, everybody's there. There's a lot of people. And the logistics and the time and all the effort and everything pointed to send them away 
so that way they can go eat somewhere else and, and, and we don't have to deal with it. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? That, I have to feel that there was a bit of, we just don't want to deal with this right now. I know that I would be thinking that. I'm looking for any excuse to get these people out of here. All right, we've ministered. There's a lot of healed people. They're excited. Now go away. <laughs> We're going back to the mountain, all right? But Jesus says, you feed them. And whenever I read that, there was one statement that came to my mind. It just hit me right between the eyes. And it said, don't hand off what God has called you to handle. Don't hand off to somebody else or to some other organization or to whatever, some other day, what God has called you and appointed you in that moment to handle. If Most of us are really good with words and how to frame things up to a place where we don't have to deal with it. All right, we're really good at communication and we know how to word things in a way that really what it does is it transfers responsibility onto somebody else or something else to where I look good. But there's so many times in life that that hesitation or that irresponsibility ends up playing out and really what it was is we basically just told God no. Like, no, I just don't feel like dealing with it. And you could take that, you can apply that in many different ways your family, come on, man. Some of you, there's things in your family that you've been putting off. There's conversations that you refuse to have because you just don't feel like dealing with it. You keep handing it off to your wife or you keep handing it, handing it off to the, the youth pastor or whatever it is. Somebody else deal with it whenever God's called you to deal with it. You, nobody else. Sometimes we have to take responsibility for the ministry that God has called us to do. But we're really good. I don't have time for this. Really, I've got a lot of irons in the fire. A lot of irons in the fire. I can always make room for the irons that I really want to do, right? I, I, I got no money, but I got enough money to go and go on vacation every single year. I can't quite pay my bills, but I can, right? We accept irons that we want to accept, but sometimes the irons that God's given us is, Hey, I want you to do this thing. And we're like, God, but there's all these reasons why I can't, you know? There's all these, these, all these exceptions. If we're thinking about in the church world, really it comes down to serving because everything that we do is service towards people and towards God. Everything that we do. Yeah, one clap up in there. Everybody's like, I feel like I should clap too. Yeah, that's right. Everything is serving people, it's serving God. But really we don't have to. We don't have to. And so what happens in a church this size, and we have a lot of people that serve endlessly, but what happens is that a lot of the weight of service falls on about 20% of the church. About 20% of the church. And some people are like, well, I go on vacation a lot, and, and then I have like this a lot. Well, what, do you think that the people that serve every week have the same thing that going, of course, Everybody has the same thing. Now, I'm talking to believers right now. I'm talking to church people. So again, and visitors, this doesn't apply to you, okay? So just, you can check out right now. But church, church, we have so many people ask us, hey, when's the next campus coming? Hey, when's the next location coming? I'm like, as soon as everybody that's been here for five years actually starts doing something. Because what happens is, you know, let's, let's just take the, the nursery right now. We've got a lot of people that are in there right now that you'll, hardly ever see in here because why? They have to fill the gap for all the unfaithful. And that's just the honest truth. Uh, people that don't show up, get up. They're not really sick, but they say they are so they don't have to come. You know what I'm talking about. 
You know, it's like, I can't make it today. Sometimes there's legit excuses and that's all good. But it really applies to everything. So you know what? Uh, let me ask you a question because we, we pray a lot, but I don't think we understand what our prayers can result in. Uh, God send revival. God send people. God, I pray that all the people that I'm praying for would get saved and come in. Are they coming into a place that you're serving in? Or are you gonna fill the trough for somebody else to deal with them? Are you gonna disciple and help and, 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 and lead? Because here's the deal. Uh, in order to add another service, we have to like, add a third of volunteers to that. And in Long Beach right now, we're at a place where we can't fit people in the building. Um, we're at a place where people are now not coming as much because there's nowhere to park. They're parking in the grass. And, but what, what's the one thing that's, that's hesitating us from, from launching a third service? Volunteers. That's it. It's not money. It's not, it's just people saying, I'll do it. You know what I'm saying? Thank God for faithful people. Some people actually, whenever we launched, they served every Sunday for like a full year without a Sunday off. That's not good, number one. That's not healthy, okay? But that is very uh, admirable. Why? Because they, they're like, this is so important that I'm willing to sacrifice a year of Sunday mornings consistently in order to see people have the ability to come to a place and meet God. Services like this don't happen easily. They don't happen without a lot of planning and without a lot of people that, that give a lot for a long time. And I say all that to say this, is that work is relentless, work is ministry, and ministry is relentless. It's not gonna stop. It's not gonna stop. And the, the, the people that continue to carry the weight of it is us in this room. There's no, like there's nobody else, okay? Like the worship team that's up there, like they don't do this full time, by the way. Okay, these are people that work, you know, 40, 50, 60, whatever hours a week, and they choose to come on a Thursday night and rehearse for three hours or whatever it is, and dri between driving, getting here, and then going back home, three hours or so on Thursday nights, and then come early on a Sunday morning. Why? To have the environment we just had to where people can come in and lift their hands and worship God and let the distractions of the week or whatever the drama fall aside. We create environments for people to know God. So I want to invite a lot of you. Yep. I wanna, I wanna invite a lot of you who are kind of, you're resting, okay? And maybe some of you really need it to rest for a while because that is legitimate. But I, I, some of you have been resting a long time and, uh, and it's time to, to work. It's time to serve again. I wanna encourage you with that because we truly want to reach South Mississippi, but to reach South Mississippi, it takes owners. It takes, it takes believers to, to lock arms and to work together, all right? It's fun. It's very enjoyable, but uh, it's all about building the kingdom of God. Jesus teaches them about work in this thing, and he says, don't hand off what I called you to handle. You feed them. Some of you, God's saying, I want you to feed them. Other people have been feeding them a long time. It's time for you to feed them. Now, God, he produces a great miracle here, huge miracle, ends up feeding everybody. And the interesting part about that is, is at the end of once he's broken the bread and they've handed it out and all this has happened, um, I'm not gonna get into the details, but anyway, everybody's fed. There was 12 baskets of food left over, which I think is just very interesting that there's 12 disciples that maybe didn't wanna deal with it. But when it's all said and done, all of them had a basket full of food. Some of you are saying, how can I? How am I gonna make it work? I only have this amount of time. I only have this amount of money. I don't see, I don't see. And uh, I just wanna kinda open up a new train of thought 
is that as you serve others and as you do what God is putting and pressing, because some of you right now, God is, has been dealing with you for a while about stepping out a little bit more. Um, and, and then you have the logistics that say, I can't. As you serve others, God provides your every need. He's our provider. And I'm telling you, these men, if they would have sent everybody away, they would have had to come up with some money and they would have had to go buy their own food. But because they stayed and they were obedient, God ends up not only giving them a meal, but giving them an entire basket full, all right? I'm telling you, God will meet your needs. God will provide the time. God will provide the influence. God will provide everything you need to accomplish what he has called you to do, and that's the next point. God's not gonna call you to do something and not give you what you need, the resources, the, the ability to accomplish it. Some of you, God has called you to step out and do something. Maybe not in the church, but he's called you to do something. You have this burning desire, and you've been putting it off, and it's time to step out and, and believe and actually put feet to that faith and trust God because he's gonna provide everything you that you need to accomplish what he's called you to do. Verse 45, immediately after this, immediately after this, come on, it's time for a nap now, right? I mean, Jesus, we were obedient. I stepped out and Lord, you provided. I got this basket left, can we chill out? Jesus is like, no. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida while he sent the people home. Working with Jesus ain't always easy, all right? It's not always a, uh, it's not a, just a cupcake. I mean, this thing sometimes is, it's a payment. It's a, it's a price to pay. Get in the boat, he says. Verse 46, after telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. I love that. Jesus always was an example of what mattered the most. He goes up and he begins to pray. Verse 47, late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on land. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves. He sees them. He knows that they're having a hard time. About three o'clock in the morning, okay, he sees them struggling, and he, he waits till three in the morning. Thank you, Lord. Your timing is just always perfect. So <laughs> Jesus came, he came towards him at three o'clock in the morning, walking on the water. Now that's, isn't that beautiful? Jesus, you're so good. I love the next part. <laughs> he intended to, to go past them. This is the boat, all right? Jesus is, is like watching them from afar. And he's like, yeah, they're, they're struggling pretty bad. And he starts walking like way over here. And he's like, yeah, it's pretty rough. <laughs> Look at them. They're crying. They're, they're crying right now. Wow. And then the next, the next part, verse 49. But when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. That's funny. That's funny. Picture it. I mean, they're not going to die, right? You, you realize that. Jesus has got them, so you can laugh. It's okay. So, you know, should I laugh at that? Should I not? They see Jesus, and they freak out. They were already scared, and then they freak out, and they say he's a ghost. And they're in terror. They were all terrified when they saw him. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid. He said, take courage. I'm here. Okay, and then he gets in the boat. Jesus is walking by. They see him. If they wouldn't have seen him, they wouldn't have saw him, he would have just kept walking. I just believe that. Because it said it. He intended to keep walking. 
And then because they freaked out and they saw him, they thought he was a ghost. He's like, okay, let me ask you a question. Whenever your kids are, uh, you're watching them and you know what's going on isn't that big of a deal. It's a big deal to them, but it's really not that big of a deal. What do you do? You let them go. You let them kind of whine a little bit. You let them get a little bit freaked out. And then there's this threshold where all of a sudden, you know, mama better show up, all right? It's that cry changes from like, meh, to, ah, ah, you know, they're freaking out. We're just, Ariana, just the other night, she, we heard her crying, and, and it's like, maybe hey, she'll go back to sleep. I don't know, mommy, mommy. You know, sometimes it stops, and other times it's, you hear the door open, mommy, and say, like, we got to take care of this. I think that's what happened here is Jesus is like, I think they're okay. I think they're going to, oh, he's a ghost. He's like, okay, that's not okay. I got to get, you know, he gets in the boat, and he's like, guys, take courage. I'm here. It's good. We'd say, hey, guys, calm down. I'm, I'm here. It's all right. Chill out. See, sometimes we're screaming in a boat and Jesus sees us. We don't feel like he sees us. You know, we're like, God, where are you? We were just reading Psalms and I talked about it this morning that a lot of times we're, we're discouraged and we're hopeless uh, and, and it feels like God's so far away, so distant. But do we believe the word of God that says he's always close, he's always near he has our best interest in mind. And sometimes that best interest looks like us. We need to cry about 30 more minutes. Why? Because those things produce something in us. Those trials, those situations produce a long suffering, a perseverance in us. It's painful, but necessary. Jesus lets us struggle sometimes. The process, we're gonna struggle through some things sometimes. But, but, but God doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. He's with us. And I think some of us are in this room today, and uh, I, I know many of you probably feel like God's far away. He's not, he's not, you're like, man, God can't be for me. Look at all the things that are going on. Look at the, the sickness that I have. Look at my family situation. Look at the turmoil I'm in. There's no way that God is for me in that. But I just want to encourage you. There's wind and waves, but he sees you. He knows your name, and, and he is there. It doesn't mean that he's in the boat yet. You still got the wind and the waves, but I'm telling you, as you keep your eyes on Jesus, as you keep your focus set and you let your faith in God trump your fear, there's something great that you enter into. You enter into rest. And some of you need rest today. You need rest. Maybe not physical. Some of you do need physical rest, and I mean that. I'm not joking. You need to take a nap. You need to schedule sleep. You need to turn off noise because you need to let your mind and your heart be still enough for you to know God. There has to be that moment. Some of you need to turn off social media. You need to turn off the noise. You need to turn off the influence of other people that are not getting you where you need to go. Your soul needs rest. And others of you today, you're not gonna get any rest in your spirit until you first bow your knee before God. Because that is the first step in entering into eternal rest, spiritual rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, Jesus says this, he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. We've got to come to God. We've got to come to Jesus. We've got to cast our cares upon him, knowing and believing that he cares for us and trusting in that. Sometimes that's a lot easier said than done. But right now, I want to give you some, some of you the opportunity to do this for the first time. We're in this room. Let's not be naive. There's many of us here who we really don't know God. 
We don't really know God. We, we don't have a, a live relationship with him, a living relationship with him. We have a religious experience. We have, like, this is your relationship with God, what we're doing right now. You've come to a, a place to hear somebody speak about God and, and feel good. But once you leave, there's no fruit of that in the rest of your life. You don't have conviction, which conviction is a good thing. Conviction is God saying, hey, that's not where I want you to be. That's not what I want you to be doing. Come back, realign yourself with where I want you to be. Some of you aren't experiencing that in your life. You're just out there living life and there's no rest, there's no peace. And if there is, it's temporary. And today I wanna give you an opportunity to choose Jesus. I wanna give you an opportunity to, to come before him. The, the great thing about Jesus uh, and, the, and the pattern that, that God set is he actually did all the work. He did. He created the way, Jesus. He did the 99.99% without what God set up and how he, he, he patterned this. The conversation we're having right now wouldn't be taking place. There would be no way. But he sent Jesus to live a perfect life and die a terrible death and his blood was the payment for our sin, right? And because of that payment, the payment's done. But now we have to receive the free gift of salvation. And today, I wanna give some of you that opportunity. Some of you have known God in the past, and for whatever reason, you're just far from him right now. You just don't feel like you know him anymore. You feel like this thing's just, it's faded. And today, I wanna give you the opportunity to, to get saved, to get born again, all right? Right now, let's go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes. Now, I'm not gonna bring anybody up to the front. I'm not gonna embarrass any of you, do anything strange, but I am gonna ask you to do something in a second. If that's you and you feel this tug of war, you feel this tension, you feel this, this moment where it's like, I need to choose Jesus. In a second, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand and that's not just so we can count you or see you or do something strange. This is for you to raise your hand and admit, God, I need you. There's something powerful about that. There's something power, powerful about confessing and admitting whenever we're wrong. And it, and it really is a broken heart, a contrite spirit. And the Bible says that God will never deny that. So if there's a fear in you right now that says I've tried this a lot of times and it's never worked, or if there's a fear that says I've done too much and I'm unworthy, there's no way. I wanna let you know that those are lies of the enemy and it's time to push those aside and allow God to fill your life. So right now, if that's you, you're far from God and you know it, I just wanna ask you to raise your hand right now. Anybody in this place? Come on, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. Who else? Come on, you need Jesus. His mercy's here, his grace is here. This is a good thing. This is a, this is a life-filled moment. It's where you're bringing your rags, you're bringing your, your, your mess, and you're giving it to God, and it's this great exchange where he gives you something eternal, and he gives you life. Anybody else in here, I just wanna pray with you. Anybody else? Come on, right now, in this moment, I'm gonna pray, and I don't want you to repeat after me. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer, but take what I say and just begin to pray, pray to your God, pray to God, and, and just admit where you've been, and then just let him change your heart. God, I come before you humbly in this moment, broken. Father, I am, I am at the end of myself, and God, right now, I'm laying my life at your feet. 
I'm asking for your forgiveness for my sin, the things that I know that I've been doing wrong and, and all that. But God, even just this, the core of me, the sin nature that I have, Lord, I'm asking that you would forgive me of that. God, today, I repent of my sin. I repent of my wrongdoing and my wrong thinking, my resisting of you. I repent of that. And God, I, I turn from that. I turn and I, and I walk towards you. I walk towards your light, towards your life, your grace, and I receive your mercy. Lord, I thank you for your mercy for me. God, that your mercy triumphs the judgment that I actually deserve. Your mercy trumps that. And I just fall upon that right now. And God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for sending Jesus to die for me on the cross, shedding his blood for my sin. God, I ask that you take my life, that you use it for your glory, use it for your purpose. Fill me with hope. Fill me with joy. Let me live a life that matters. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. And come on, can we give it up for those who gave their hearts to God today? Yeah. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. If you'll text the word SAVED to 51660, we want to send you a link to our website that'll explain a little more about the decision you just made and give you some steps to take so that you can grow in your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv give, or you can text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.